Well, hello, church, and welcome to Palm Sunday today, and just one week to go until Easter, which I'm sure many of you are very excited about for a bunch of different reasons. And we are certainly very much looking forward uh, to being able to celebrate with you next weekend, both with our Good Friday reflective service that we'll be having and also our online Easter Sunday celebration. So I hope that many of you are going to be able to join with us uh, for either or both of those services. Before I share the message with you today, I just wanted to take a moment to update you all on some great news from our Selwyn campus. You may be aware that last year we had managed to lease some office space just in an old house out there, and we've been working on it and renovating uh, in order to have a presence right there in the middle of Lincoln throughout the week. And I am pleased to be able to tell you that finally all the work has been completed and we have been in there for the last couple of weeks, which has been really just such an incredible blessing. Uh, I've just so loved being right there in the middle of Lincoln amongst the community there. We're right on Gerald Street, uh, just opposite the coffee culture if you know Lincoln. There are a couple of photos actually just to give you some idea of the place and what we've done with the office there. And we're so excited about the many, many opportunities that will open up now that we have uh, a base of operations, as it were, that we can serve the local community from. Some of you may remember that this office was only a short-term solution, that in fact there was a fairly tight time frame before some property development was going to be taking place on that site and this building was actually going to be removed. So I must admit there had been some disappointment that because of all that has been going on with COVID and restrictions and building industry delays, that we hadn't been able to get this office ready as quickly as we'd hoped. We really thought, to be honest, that we would have already been in there for a few months now, especially because we knew that we only had a limited time to actually stay in the office. But I'm able to tell you today that we've just heard in the past week or so that because of all that's been going on with COVID and the restrictions and the building industry delays, that property development has actually been put on hold indefinitely. And we are going to be able to stay in that office for the foreseeable future. Isn't that fantastic news? You know, just like Carl said last week, you know, God is so incredibly faithful and we know that he works all things together for the good of those who love him. Sometimes it seems like he takes us the long way around, but it all works out for our good. Isn't it amazing, at least I think it is, that the very same things that caused issues for us, that caused a few months of delay for us right now, God is using those same things in a way that will potentially bring years of future blessing as we're able to continue to stay and minister from that office. God is our way maker. Uh, it's just fantastic, incredible news, and I look forward to seeing some of you maybe there sometime soon. You know, at the start of this year, my family and I experienced something rather unusual. Uh, I'm sure we're not the only ones who have experienced something unusual in 2022. But I think this was the first time that this thing had ever happened to us. Now, some of you will know that every year we make our annual trip to Golden Bay. Uh, it's right at the top of the South Island, and we go camping there in the beautiful, beautiful Pahara Beach Holiday Park. It's, it's kind of our home away from home. Um, our kids, all three kids, have been there every single year of their lives, usually for a couple of weeks at the beginning of January. 
It's a glorious time. It's absolutely one of the highlights of our year. Uh, it's, it's the two weeks every year that we spend the other 50 weeks looking forward to. And as you can probably imagine, as a family of five, of whom four are essentially adult-sized, for us to go camping for two weeks, we actually need to take quite a bit of stuff. You know, there's, there's tents that we need. We need bedding, we need sleeping bags, we need air pumps, we need clothes, we need kitchen and cooking gear, we need lamps and torches, we need food, we need chairs and tables and shelving units, we need plates and bowls and cutlery, we need portable clotheslines, we need a broom, we need a brush and a shovel, we need shampoo and soap, we need sunscreen and we need medical supplies. There's, there's just a whole lot of stuff involved in a family of five going camping. And then, of course, there's also a whole lot of stuff that we want to take. There's the swimming gear, there's frisbees, the bodyboards, the bats and balls, the Bluetooth speakers, the books, the board games, the card games, the bikes, the electric fry pan, the coffee machine, the bread maker, the milkshake maker, the waffle maker, the fridge. Okay, so we don't necessarily take all of those things, certainly not all of them every year. Sometimes they go different years from each other. But all in all, when we take what we need and we take what we want, it's quite a lot of stuff. So we borrow a trailer, thanks Tim and Trish, you're very generous every year, and we fill the trailer with as much stuff as we can possibly squeeze in to the available space. Now this year was no different. This, this is not the unusual experience yet, because we got the trailer and we, we packed in the tents and we packed in the bag of clothes and the kitchen box and the laundry box and the electrical box, the games box, the books box, the food box, the body boards, the togs and towels, uh, the brooms, the bats, the balls, the clothesline, the shelves, the chairs, the tables, the lamps, the torches, the bedding. We stuffed the sleeping bags into the last few little gaps wherever there were that we could just push them in. None of this is unique or unusual at this point. But what happened next was... See, after we finished packing the trailer, after we finished putting the cover on and we secured the bikes and tied them on, we went back inside the house and we sat down and we waited. Now, I don't know what it's normally like for other people when they're packing and going on holiday, but for us, when the trailer cover goes on, when the bikes are hooked on, like it's time to go. We want to go, like we've got everything in, let's go. We've got a long journey ahead of us. We've got hours and hours of setup once we arrive. We want to get this holiday started. We want to go as soon as we possibly can. But this year, we packed, we put the cover on, we put the bikes on, and then we went inside and we sat down to wait. See, there's one more really important element that you have to have after you've packed the trailer. It might seem obvious at this point, but you need a car. Or more specifically, you need a car with a tow bar on it. If you don't have a car to hook your trailer onto, you're not gonna go anywhere with your trailer. And just over a week before Christmas last year, it became apparent that our car was no longer gonna be capable of making this journey and towing this trailer. We suddenly, very suddenly, needed to get a new vehicle or organise borrowing one for the trip. And remarkably, we were able to find a car that suited our needs just a couple of days before Christmas. Only there was one 
small problem. The car didn't have a tow bar. And all of the tow bar fitting companies in Christchurch were fully booked up until Christmas, and then they were shut down for the holiday period, and none of them were going to open again until the day we were supposed to be leaving to go on holiday. As you can imagine, we weren't stressed or bothered by this at all. But anyway, this is what was happening on our packing day. We packed our trailer, we had everything ready to go, but then we just went inside and sat down and waited until we got the phone call to tell us that the tow bar was ready and the car could be picked up. It was so weird. We had nothing to do because all our stuff was in the trailer. We didn't want to have any food because we didn't want to mess up the kitchen. We didn't have any books. We didn't have any games. We just had to wait. See, we really didn't have a choice. Until we could connect our trailer to something that had the power to tow it, there was nothing we could do. It was great that the trailer was filled with all the things that we needed and we wanted to go on holiday. It was great that the cover was already on. It was great that the bikes were ready to go. In fact, we could have sat there and admired my trailer packing skills. We could have talked about how much more secure the trailer was this year, how evenly the weight was distributed. Or we could have talked about how we'd managed to fit in just one more bodyboard this time. But none of that makes any difference in terms of our ability to actually drive anywhere. There was nothing at all I could do to the trailer itself that would have had any impact on whether or not we could actually travel to our holiday destination. Without having the trailer connected to a car with enough power to tow it, we would never be able to make the journey. We did, by the way, eventually get away rather late in the afternoon. Why am I talking about my trailer? Because I'm aware today as we lead up to Easter this coming week that while there are many, and there are many, important, urgent, and pressing issues in this world and in this life that we live, while there are many things that are loaded up on our trailers, if you will, many good things, many great things that help us to live our lives and to show love to others and to make a difference and contribute to the world around us, I want to remind us of the one thing that really, truly matters and holds the power of it all. See, we've sung a song this morning. It's a new song. We haven't done it before, and it's called Because of Christ. And it has a beautiful chorus with these lines in it. May I never boast in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. May I not forget the blood he shed. It is by his death I am alive. Because of Christ, I am alive. May I never boast in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. And this phrase from the song is actually taken straight from Scripture. If we go to the book of Galatians chapter 6. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That's Galatians 6 verse 14. And the author of Galatians, who was a man named Paul, who wrote many of the books of the New Testament, is coming to the end of this letter that he's written to the Galatian church. And he's quickly summing up some of the main messages that he has put in this letter. See, he's been addressing questions like, are we saved by faith 
or saved by works. He's been addressing the question of whether people should have to be circumcised or whether they should be uncircumcised. He's been addressing questions about whether we are justified by the law or whether we are justified by the grace of God. And then he says here, just four sentences from the end of the letter, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's summing all of this up by saying our Messiah, our Savior, dying on the cross for us and then rising from the grave again after three days over all these other issues, over all these other questions, over all of these other ideas and patterns and behaviors that we've been discussing more than anything else in this world, in fact, that is the one thing that I can truly, confidently boast in. It's an interesting word, boast. Uh, in his letters, Paul actually writes about boasting quite regularly. It's a common theme as he writes to the different churches he's connected with. In fact, around 50 times in the books of the New Testament that were written by Paul, does he mention the words boast or boasting? A lot of the time, Paul is actually talking about the things that we shouldn't boast in and the things that we shouldn't be putting our confidence in, the things that we shouldn't be gloating about. But occasionally, like in this passage that we've read this, this right now, he reminds us that there is in fact something we can boast in, something we can put our confidence in, something we can rely on, and that is that we can boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. This wasn't just Paul's idea, by the way. This is something that other writers in the Bible talk about too. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah says this in Jeremiah 9, 24. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. Don't boast of your wisdom or your strength or your riches. Don't boast in what your mind can do. Don't boast in what your body can do. Don't boast in the wealth and the possessions you have acquired. Instead, if you are to boast, if you're going to boast about something, then you should boast in the Lord. Uh, for many of us, I would think it's probably quite easy, actually, to not boast of our wisdom or our strength or our riches. I'm sure many of you who know me would understand exactly why I shouldn't try and boast in my own wisdom or in my own strength or in my own riches, for that matter. But both Paul and Jeremiah are saying that whenever we boast in, whenever we put our confidence in, whenever we put our trust and reliance in anything other than the Lord, then we are boasting in the wrong thing. May I never boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is only one thing that has the power to justify, to redeem, to save, to bring us in to right standing with God. That is the good news of the cross of Jesus Christ. No other thing or person or law or ritual or circumstance has the power that is needed to bridge the gap, to cross that divide between a holy, loving God 
and the sinful nature of humankind. Jesus is the only one who has the power to save. Without him, all of those other things mean nothing. So may I never boast in any of these other things. May I never boast in any of these other issues or circumstances or powers. May I only boast in the one thing that has the power of salvation, that is the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is an issue that Paul addressed multiple times throughout his letters. It's something that kept popping up amongst the early church congregations. And there's another passage in 2 Corinthians where we find out about a group of people, a group of so-called super apostles, as Paul calls them, who have brought a different message to the church. See, they've been trying to convince the Corinthian church that faith in Jesus is not enough, that there are other rules and other laws that they need to abide by in order to gain salvation. And these super apostles have been boasting about their credentials. They've been boasting about their heritage, their, their background. They've been boasting about their knowledge and their achievements, the things that they've done. They've been boasting that they have the right to speak to the church and to tell them what to do. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul starts responding to these people. He says, well, if they have the right to boast about all of that stuff, then so do I. Because he too has the heritage. He has the citizenship, the credentials, and the authority. He has the knowledge and the achievements. He has suffered through trials and tribulations and persecution. He has received visions and revelations from God that would also give him the right to boast about all of these things. We pick it up in verse 6 of chapter 12. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. This is Paul writing here. But I refrain. So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. It's interesting to me that at the beginning of these verses that we've just read, Paul is saying he has the right to boast about his strengths. He has the right to boast about his credentials and his heritage and his cultural background. He has the right to boast in many of the same things that these super apostles were boasting about. But he says, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. But Paul refrains. He refuses to do this. He will not boast about his strengths. He will not boast about his credentials. He will not boast about his rights. But by the end of just these few verses, Paul is now saying he is boasting. 
He will boast because he's not talking about his strengths anymore. He is now boasting about his weaknesses. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So what happens in between these two moments? What happens in between I won't boast and I will boast? It tells us that Paul suffers from what he describes as a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan, a torment. And we don't know exactly what this affliction was. The the Bible really doesn't specify it. But I think we can all agree that something that he describes as a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan and a torment, is not a good thing. You know, over the last few days, even as I'm standing here, I managed to burn my left hand on the barbecue and I got a terrible spider bite on my right hand and they're both driving me crazy. But I would say that that sounds like nothing compared to what Paul is going through here. It says he desperately pleaded with the Lord to take it away from him. In fact, three times he asked, but he didn't get the answer he was originally hoping for. The answer he does get, though, is a statement of incredible beauty and power. The Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. You want this taken from you, but my grace is sufficient for you. You're asking for this torment and this anguish to be gone, but God is saying to Paul, no, but my grace is sufficient for you anyway. So this suffering that Paul is undergoing and this revelation from the Lord are what happens in between. See, if he were to boast in his own strength, if he were to boast in his own heritage and his credentials, if he were to boast in his own power, he would be pointing towards himself and not to Christ. And every time he failed, it would make a fool out of his boasting. But his weaknesses, his afflictions, his inabilities, Christ's redemptive power is more revealed in Paul's life through those things than through his strengths. When he boasts in his weaknesses, he's not saying how proud he is of those weaknesses. He is instead pointing to the power of the cross of Jesus Christ at work in him through those weaknesses. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I don't know about you, but I'm confronted by my own shortcomings far more often than I would like. But it is in those moments that I am reminded to put all my trust, all my hope, all my confidence in Jesus. It's in those moments of pain and difficulty that I more readily cry out to God. It's when I reach the end of myself, when I reach the limits of what I can do, that I press further into God, that I seek more of Him and trust Him to do what only He can do, because his grace is sufficient for me. I love that phrase. His grace is sufficient. His grace is enough. It doesn't say his grace is more than sufficient. His grace is more than enough. But no, 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 it's sufficient. It's enough. It's ample. It's plenty. It's all you need. His grace is sufficient For you, you don't need any more grace than what God is able to bestow on you. 
It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. It doesn't matter what you're going through right now. It doesn't matter what trials or stumbles you may face in the future. His grace was and is and always will be sufficient. His grace covers all of it. Time and time again, Paul experienced the sufficiency of God's grace. He experienced God's grace when Jesus revealed himself to Paul and transformed him from a man who persecuted the church to one who led the church. He experienced God's grace when he was miraculously set free from prison. His chains were loosed, the doors flew open. He experienced God's grace in the times he was saved from shipwrecks and being lost at sea. But he's saying also that he experienced the sufficiency of God's grace in the midst of being arrested, in the midst of being persecuted, in the midst of being beaten, insulted. And even right now when he is suffering from this thorn in the flesh that he is pleading with God to remove, he experienced the sufficiency of God's grace because he understands there is only one thing to boast in, there is only one thing to trust in, there is only one thing to rely on, that is the all-surpassing power of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. His power is made perfect in our weakness. His grace is sufficient for us. So may I never boast in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ through which he has extended his sufficient grace to every person, to every culture, to every tribe and tongue, and to every generation. His grace is sufficient for you, no matter your heritage, no matter your background, no matter your credentials, no matter what your current status is, no matter what your past sins are, no matter what is going on in your life right now, no matter what is coming around the corner, his grace is sufficient for you. So may we never boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you so much that your grace is sufficient for me. Lord, I am overwhelmed with gratitude that I don't have to try and boast in my own wisdom or in my own strength or in the things that I've acquired or what I've achieved. I don't have to boast in my heritage or my status or my circumstances. I don't have to boast in my background or my upbringing or my knowledge, but Jesus, you have extended your grace to every single person on this planet through what you've done for us on the cross. Thank you, God, that what you did was enough. Thank you that what you did was sufficient. Thank you that what you have done has covered everything. Thank you, Lord, that there is no sin that could undo the power of the cross. There will never be a point where the balance of sin is too great to be covered by your sacrifice, Lord. Thank you that your grace is sufficient for me. And Lord, we come before you with humble hearts, knowing that in our own strength and effort, it would never be enough to gain salvation. But by your grace, when we are weak, then we are strong. And Lord, right now I pray for everybody going through circumstances that just seem too much for them. 
Lord, let your grace be upon them. Let your peace be with them. And Lord, where it is your will, we pray that you would change those circumstances, that you would make a way. And for those that right now feel distant from you, Father, would you grace them with your love? Would you remind them again of your nearness, your closeness, your compassion, your never-ending, unfailing love for us? We pray this in the mighty and beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.